There are two words in the Arabic language. One is qabil and one is qubul. Qabil means to have any ability, to have any skill, to have any good attribute. If a person thinks I'm a good worker, I'm a smart person, I recite the Qur'an well, I do this well, I do that well. Anything that a person can do well, any skill or capability that a person has, that is referred to as qabiliyah, his skill and his ability. But from the same word in the Arabic language, from the same root, qaf ba'lam, there's another word which means qubuliyah, which means to be qubul or maqabul in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means a person who is qubul is accepted by Allah. So these two things are very different things. For example, there might be somebody who is qabil, who may have studied abroad, studied in Egypt, has read Quran, has read Hadith. He may know many things. He may even be very beautiful in his recitation. He may be very skilled at what he does. But if he is not qubul in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he is not accepted in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then his skill means nothing. I think how skilled so many unbelievers are in the world. But because they don't have iman in their heart, they will not be qubul, they will not be accepted on the day of judgment. It comes in Quran that their actions, even the good deeds that they do, the kindness, the generosity, the charity that they give, will have no weight on the scales of justice on that day. Why? Because they will not be accepted, they will not have the qubuliyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In contrast, even if somebody is a simple person, somebody is a humble Muslim, he might be a poor Muslim, he might not be such an educated Muslim, he might not have so many skills or capabilities. People around him might even think that he doesn't have much to offer. But if he's sincere in his ibadah, if he's sincere in his love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will become qubul, he will be maqbul, he will be accepted in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me give you an example from history. In India, in the time of the Mughal Emperor Akbar, there were two scholars who were brothers. One, his name was Abul Fazl, and the other, his name was Fezi. These two brothers had such a command over the Arabic language. They were known as such big scholars that they sat down once and they wrote a tafsir, they wrote a commentary of the Holy Quran in which they only used letters that did not have nukta. They said that we're going to write a tafsir of the Quran and we're not going to use any letters that have dots. So in their tafsir they didn't use a ba, they didn't use a ta, they didn't use a sheen, they didn't use a za, they didn't use a dal, they didn't use a tha, they didn't use a qaf, they didn't use a kha, they didn't use a jim, they didn't use any letter that had a dot above or below it. So they restricted themselves to maybe half of the Arabic letters in the Arabic alphabet, and they were still able to write a tafsir of the whole Quran using words from the Arabic language that did not have any letters that had dots above or below them. So look at the knowledge that they had. This is qabiliyah, incredible skill, prowess, ability. Mastery over the Arabic language That they could write such a tafsir In fact probably if the ulama of today were to get together They would find it difficult To even write a tafsir of one thirtieth of the Quran Limiting themselves in such a way But Abu Fazl and Fezi No matter how much we can say That they were scholars of the Arabic language No matter how much they may have had A lot of information about the Quran They were not pious people They were what we call royal ulama those ulama who have sold themselves to the state, have sold themselves to the king, have sold themselves to the court. And you find this unfortunately in some of our Muslim countries in the world. And they produce graduates and they send them all over the world, but those people have sold their iman. Those people have not people of taqwa. 
So what happened? This Mughal Emperor Akbar, he decided that I think that I'm such a big king that people should make sajda to me. So he called Abdul Fazl and Fezi, or he tried to tell the people to make sajda to him. So the people resisted, and they said, no, in Islam you can only make sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is shirk, this is unbelief. How can we prostrate to you? You were just a king. So he called Abdul Fazl and Fezi. And he said, oh my royal ulama, all the scholars who sit in my court, who sit in my attendance, you must write a fatwa, you must issue a legal ruling that says it is permissible to do sajda to me. Abu Fazl and Fahdi said, no problem. They wrote a fatwa, said it is permissible in the sharia to make sajda to the king and they issued the fatwa. So that they were not sincere people. So these people were not makbul in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were not accepted in his eyes. They would not have earned his happiness and pleasure no matter how qabil, no matter how capable they may have been. Yes, indeed, it would be great for us to have both qabiliya and kubuliya. This is what we call nur and al-nur. It would be great to have both of these things. But we should know that we should strive for in life is the kubuliya. Our desire in life, our every thought and every moment of that day is am I acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is my action, is my salah, is my imama, is my dua acceptable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If we don't follow the sharia, if we don't follow the sunnah, then what are we doing? Who are we daring to present ourselves before? We're saying, Ya Allah, you created this system, you created this deen, you sent the beloved messenger to us. You said in Quran, Allah says in Quran, listen to this. This is Quran, it is your iman. If you deny one eye of Quran, you leave iman. This is Ijma, unanimous group of all of the scholars. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, kana lakum fi Rasulullahi uswatun hasana. That knowing the beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have a beautiful and a noble example. Now, if you really believe that the Prophet is the Uswatun Hasana, even just look at these words, how they sound in your tongue. Uswatun Hasana. Even the words are beautiful to say. If you believe that the beloved Messenger or if you wish to claim yourself as a Muslim, that you believe in Quran, then you must believe in this ayah. If you want to say that you believe that the Prophet Muhammad is a noble and a beautiful example, it means your actions must speak louder than your words. You must testify to this belief. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call for us on the day of judgment. He wants to see our actions. He will look into our hearts. He will see that did you live your life in such a way that you truly felt that the Prophet was a noble example? Or did you think that the society around you was a beautiful example? Did you think the pop stars and the music stars around you were a beautiful example? Did you think what the unbelievers tried to tell you is pretty face? Did you think that was a beautiful example? If you are Muslim, you must believe that the beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is an hasana. And our ulama, our mashayikh, the sufis, the legal scholars, the mufassirin, the muhaddithin, all of them had this thing in common. They all followed the sunnah. You cannot find anybody who doesn't follow the sunnah in our history. A big shaykh. Imagine if I took any one of you and you had a very big difficulty, you had some problem in your life, you were crying, you were making dua, you said, I cannot repent, I'm falling in the sin, I don't know how to get out. Please take me to somebody who can help me. And I said, okay, there's a very, very big sheikh. Let's say he's come from Bukhara. Very big sheikh, very old man, 70 years old, he's come from Bukhara. Big sheikh, he has so many students in Bukhara, he teaches at the Masjid of Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah. He has changed the lives of so many people. Maybe if you go before him, he can give you some nasiha, he can give you some advice, he can make some dua for you. So you would say, oh, that's great. 
Allah has commanded me in Quran, Kunu ma sadiqeen, that I should keep the company of the pious ones. So I was to take you into that room, and in the room you saw some man who's sitting in a three-piece suit, who has a tie, who is clean-shaven on his face. You wouldn't think that was a shaykh. You'd be looking around, you'd think maybe he was another visitor. You'd look around and say, where is the shaykh? Even the average Muslim, even a young man, even a ten-year-old boy, in his heart he knows that the greatness in this deen lies in following the sunnah of the beloved messenger, sallallahu alaihi And I was just saying, oh no, that's the shaykh. Then immediately if you're honest with yourself, if you ask yourself in a cool, calm, relaxed manner, look into your hearts, be honest, how would your heart feel at that moment? You would think that, no, 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 that's not a shaykh. I don't think Imam Bukhari looked like that. I don't think Imam Shafi looked like that. I don't think Imam al-Ghazali looked like that. Pick any of the scholars you want. For any school of thought you want. <coughs> even those Muslims who we think are beyond belief. Even they used to follow the sunnah. Even the Qadianis, there's this group that came out of India, Pakistan, who believe in another prophet, Al-Aman al-Hafiz. Even they followed, they even followed the apparent sunnah. There's a group of people in Pakistan and India called Sikhs. Maybe you have them here in South Africa. They also follow. Because their Guru Nanak, their leader, Guru Nanak, he used to take some things from Islam and he took some things from some other religions and he threw some of his own ideas in. Well, imagine on the Day of Judgment and if you see these Sikh followers, why did they have a beard and turban? Only because of their follower. Only because they follow their Guru Nanak. So imagine on the Day of Judgment if Allah SWT asked us that, Oh my servant, did you love the Prophet Muhammad less than these Sikh people love Guru Nanak? Did they view him as more beautiful than you, you view your own beloved messenger Wasallam as beautiful? If we do not follow the sunnah and sharia, then we have made a mockery of the deen. Allah says in Quran, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ Listen to Quran. Open up your hearts. Testify to this verse with your iman. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ That, O oh believers, if you claim, if you wish to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you think you can go direct to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without going by the sunnah, if you think you can bypass Rasulullah be directly connected to Allah. What does Allah say in Quran? He commands the Prophet to say, Fattabi'uni. No. You will not be true in your claim of love. Fattabi'uni. Do ittiba of the beloved messenger, Allah will shoot you right back to the sunnah. You will just want to see, have you brought the sunnah? There's only one way to get admission in, in Jannah. It's called the sunnah of our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fattabi'uni. Follow the sunnah of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you follow that sunnah, and it is such a beautiful sunnah. And all the success and the happiness in this world lies in following the sunnah. What will you get? Yuhbibkum Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself will love you. So you wanted to be the lover of Allah. He said, no, follow the sunnah. If you follow the sunnah, not only will you be my lover, but I will make you my beloved. I will make you even a higher rank than what you want. So, min That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only accepts those things from the people of Taqwa. Now look at another example of Qubuliyah. That the Prophet Ibrahim salam, all of you know, he built the Kaaba, the Baytullah, the house of Allah ta'ala with his son, who was another Prophet, Sayyidina Ismail salam. So just look at this action. All of you know the Prophets don't do things on their own, but they're commanded to do things by Allah ta'ala. So we have the Prophet of Allah, Ibrahim salam, doing such a great act, such a noble act, such a perfect act, Building the Kaaba, building the Baytullah. Doing it on the instruction of the wahi of the revelation from Allah. 
Helping him is his son, another prophet, Ismail another prophet of Allah. But when he is done with this action, does he sit back and think, I'm so great, look what I did? No. It comes in Quran, he said, Rabbana taqambal minna. That he said, Oh Allah, now that we have done this, according to your order, we have built your house, Rabbana taqambal minna, that oh Allah, please accept it from us. Oh Allah, we beg for your qubuliya. We want your acceptance, we want your happiness. But just think if a prophet of Allah, acting according to the revelation of Allah, builds the house of Allah, and even he means to make dua for Allah to accept him, so what's the condition of you and me? What's the condition of our amal? What should our feelings be after our salah? We should be begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, oh Allah, accept us, grant us the kubuliyah, become happy with us. So how do you get the kubuliyah? How do you get this acceptance from Allah? Allah has said in Quran, innama, for those of you who know Arabic, it's kalimatu hasr. It means, it excludes everything else. إِنَّمَ اللَّهَ يَتَقَبَّلُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ The translation means that know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts, grants His qubuliyah, grants His pleasure and His happiness only and only and only to the people of taqwa. Now what is this thing called taqwa? This is something that we must have in our life. So taqwa means to stay away from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His sake. And to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his sake. In other words, there is no one word in English that can properly translate taqwa. Some people translate it as God-fearing. Some people translate it as God-conscious. Some people translate it as righteousness. Taqwa in Arabic means to refrain from doing something for the sake of some being. Or oppositely, to do something for the sake of some being. Now what do we mean by that? If you don't sin because you're worried that society will see you. If you don't lie because you don't want to get caught. If you don't do bad things because you worry that your wife might find out, that's not taqwa, because you're not doing it for the sake of Allah. So taqwa means to leave the committing of sins, not to let yourself do sin for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it also means to do something, to do some act of worship, to do your ibadah, not because it's a job, not because you're imam, not because you're qualified, not because you have a degree, but for the sake of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that person who truly wants to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will think that whatever action he's doing is being presented before his Lord. Just look at even the people of this world when we give each other gifts. We don't just give the gift like that with a price tag and everything on it. We take the price tag off, we fold the piece of clothing, we put it in a beautiful box, we gift wrap that box, we put a ribbon around that box. Just like that, our a'mal, our salah, must be gift wrapped in the sunnah of the beloved messenger We should improve the quality of our salah. We should think that this salah is going direct to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want him to accept it. That's the whole purpose of our praying. We're not like the people criticize us that, oh, Islam is just rites and rituals. It's our own weakness of iman if we've made it just rites and rituals. We've made it just a profession to pray salah, to lead salah. No. Salah is an act of worship, an act of ibadah. Aqim wa salat al-dhikri. Establish the salah for my remembrance. So we think that we are presenting the salah before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we don't have it gift wrapped in the sunnah, if we leave it empty, we leave it naked, we just toss it up like that, it comes in a hadith that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept the salah of a mu'min, he throws it back on his face like a dirty rag. Who knows how many of our salah are like that? We should be worried that what type of salah are we praying? Our communal salah. What type of people have we have in our community to lead us in salah? There is no way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I tell you this today, you can call me to account on the Day of Judgment. 
I normally don't say this to people. But I will tell you, I tell you this with such yakin, such certainty, that I offer myself to any one of you on the day of judgment, that if I'm wrong in what I'm about to say, you can call me to task on the day of judgment. I tell you, my friends, that there is no way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala other than through the sunnah of His beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is no shortcut. There is no wraparound route. There is no alternate route. There is no detour. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, know this also, Him being a hamar rahimin, does not mean that He will forgive you if you deliberately, willingly, as a community, repeatedly leave His sunnah in sharia. No. Allah will forget you if you forget something, if you slip up, if you make a mistake, if you were weak and you fell into sin. But regularly, on a daily basis, committing sin, every single day, for years, then you hope for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Did you not remember that Allah is also Al-Jalal? He is Al-Azim. That He said in Quran, in the Alimun Shadeed, that His Akhaz, His punishment, is terrible, is pain-inflicting, and is painful itself. Means we do not have the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our hearts. And taqwa means to have both the love and fear. To love Allah, to worship Him out of His love, to love making His ibadah, and to fear Allah, to be terrified. So if you cannot follow the sunnah out of the love for the beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi at least you should follow the sunnah out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now imagine if anybody doesn't like your son. Imagine if a teacher sends his student to you and says, this is my student, you all should listen to him, you should pray behind him, you should listen to his dars. And then that teacher comes later and finds out you disrespected his student. You didn't listen to his student. You didn't take his student as an example. How would that teacher treat you then? How angry would that teacher be with you? So if we don't take the beloved messenger ﷺ as an example, we're only inviting the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on us. And if you don't feel it in this world, uh, if you don't see that anger in your life, don't be fooled. It just means that's even worse that Allah, rather than punishing us in this world, is just waiting for us to come on the Day of Judgment so He can punish us then. And we must become people of Sunnah. We must become people of Taqwa. And Allah Ta'ala accepts our actions. In fact, this thing called Taqwa is so important. Look at this other ayah in Quran. Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullah. O Allahina Amanu, O you who believe, O you who aspire to believe, ittaqullah have taqwa. It means fear Allah, know Allah, love Allah. But Allah didn't stop the ayah there. He knew that there would be people like us one day who thought we were people of taqwa, who maybe think we don't need sunnah, who think we can get by in whatever we had. So Allah said, ittaqullah haqqa tukati. That have taqwa as it is Allah Ta'ala's right over you. Fear Allah as He deserves to be feared. Know Allah as He deserves to be known. Love Allah as He deserves to be loved. Obey Allah as He deserves to be obeyed. How many of us can say that we have that? It means life is just a continual struggle to increase in our taqwa. That we should be screaming, crying, yearning, searching for ways to increase in our taqwa. That Allah didn't even stop the eye there. For further taqeed, for further emphasis, Allah tells him, وَلَا تُمُوتُنَّ And do not die. Even these words of the Qur'an are strange. لا تموتنا Ya Allah, you're telling us not to die. Do any of us control the way we die? Do any of you control when you die, how you die, where you die? So what is the meaning of this hukam? لا تموتنا That do not die. It means because Prophet said in the hadith that you will die as you live. In whatever state you live your life, 
you will die in such a similar condition. لا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون That do not die except that you are in a state of Islam. It means that become a person of taqwa. Fear Allah as He deserves to be feared. Do not fool yourself. If you do not become a person of taqwa, O Allahina Amanu, O person of Iman, if you do not become a person of taqwa, then not only is your Iman in question, your very Islam is in danger. And if you do not aspire to taqwa, you might even die in a state outside of Islam. That's what Allah means, وَلَا إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ And do not fail to adopt taqwa, do not die in a state that you are no longer Muslim. So if we leave this thing called taqwa, it's not something optional. In this one verse of Qur'an, Allah has shown us that our iman and our Islam are dependent on taqwa. In the other verse I recited in the beginning, it shows Allah is showing us that His qabuliyah, His acceptance, His pleasure with us is based on taqwa. It means taqwa is the most important thing that we have in life. And Allah said in Quran, in awliya'ahu illa al-muttaqoon. That are the friends of Allah anything except the people of taqwa? So to be a wali of Allah just means to have taqwa. To be amongst the awliya, it comes in Quran clearly stated that are the awliya, are the friends of Allah any other people than the people of taqwa? No. So it means that being a person of taqwa, if we take that path of taqwa, we will preserve our Islam, we will preserve our iman, we will get the kubuliyah, the acceptance, the pleasure of Allah, and He will even admit us in the ranks of His awliya. So much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us for becoming a person of taqwa, for following His sunnah, for following the sharia, and we dispense of these things. We treat them as trivial. We don't have the value for these things in our hearts. My friends, we make dua that Allah put the value for these things in our hearts in this life before we realize their value on the Day of Judgment. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين O our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, we have wronged ourselves. We have left the path of the sunnah of your beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We have left following those people who follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, we have betrayed you. We have gone against your commands. We have gone against your wishes. Ya Allah, but we testify today that we have wronged nobody but our own selves. We have deceived no one but our own selves. We have betrayed no one but our own selves. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to shower your maghfir and your forgiveness upon us. Shower your rahmah, shower your mercy upon us and forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, give us the tawfiq, the ability to follow the sunnah. Ya Allah, place a love for the beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in our hearts. Ya Allah, let us realize and have iman in these verses of Quran that there is no way to you except the sunnah. Ya Allah, let us become people of sunnah. Let our imams become people of sunnah. Let the leaders of our community become people of sunnah. And Ya Allah, guide us on this beautiful road of sunnah to your jannah. Ya Allah, guide us on this beautiful road of sunnah to your jannah. Ya Allah, forgive us for all the sins that we have ever done. Forgive us for the sins that we did in the day. Forgive us for the sins that we did at night. Forgive us for the sins that we do every morning. Forgive us for the sins we do every night. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did to others. Forgive us for the sins that we did to ourselves. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our eyes. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our ears. Forgive us for the sins that we did with our tongues. Forgive us for the sins that we did on our hands. Ya Allah, keep us away from the people of
of sin. Keep us away from the thoughts of sin. Keep us away from the propaganda of sin. Keep us away from those people who tell us we don't need sunnah. Keep us away from those people who fool us into thinking we don't need sunnah. Mm-hmm. Ya Allah, we know now on that day that only we will have to answer to you. We will answer to you alone. And the only one of the questions you will ask is if we follow the sunnah. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Give us the ability to follow sunnah. Ya Allah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, make us follow the sunnah of the beloved messenger sallallahu The outer sunnahs, the inner sunnahs, the sunnahs of his heart, the sunnahs of his manners, the sunnahs of his ibadah, the sunnah of his du'a. Ya Allah, we want to be just like the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu We want to appear you in the day of judgment, having followed that noble example, that beautiful example. So Ya Allah, you may send your rahmah upon us. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, save us from the punishment of the grave. Save us from the punishment of the hellfire. Save us from the punishment on that day. Ya Allah, on that day of judgment, when all the Muslimin will be gathered under the flag of the beloved messenger. So many pious people, so many ulama, all of them having followed the sunnah. Ya Allah, where will they be placed for us amongst those rows? How will we stand amongst those ranks of such pious people? Ya Allah, give us the ability to follow the sunnah in this world. Ya Allah, let it not be that the Prophet looks upon us and turns his face away from us on the Day of Judgment. Let it not be that we try to show up at the house of Kothar, the fountain of Kothar, and Prophet looks at our faces and refuses to give us water. Ya Allah, it's better than that it is that you accept our tawbah today, that we repent to you sincerely today, that we pledge from this moment on we will follow the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia. Ya Allah, if it is difficult for us, if we are lazy, then drag us from our hair and make us follow the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia. Ya Allah, we are weak servants. Shower your rahmah upon us. Ya Allah, any one of us who may be sick, grant them health. Any one of them who may have some financial difficulty, grant them risk your halal tayyib, the purest and noblest forms of wealth. Ya Allah, and anybody who is drowning in your mercies, drowning in your blessings, and has just been fooled by other people, Ya Allah, save us from our own follies. Ya Allah, and let's follow the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia to the utmost. Ya Allah, make this masjid a house of taqwa. Ya Allah, fill this masjid with the rows of the people of taqwa. Ya Allah, make the imams of this city people of taqwa. Make the imams of this city people of sunnah. Ya Allah, forgive them for what they know not. Ya Allah, you can put the hidayah in their hearts. You can put the love from the beloved messenger wasallam, in their hearts. Ya Allah, transform these communities, transform these masajids, transform their leaders and their followers. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samir alim. Wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabu rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatika ya arhamu rahimin.